Good morning. Welcome to the Centre for Spiritual Living. My name is Catherine McLeod, and I'm one of the staff ministers here at the Centre. It's my pleasure to be your presider this morning. We are a spiritual community that blesses all spiritual teachers and teachings. We know that there is no wrong way to worship, and whether that's lighting a candle or facing the east, repeating a mantra, lighting menorah, burning incense, or offering a prayer. We respect all the ways there are to draw closer to spirit. For even though they may appear to be a great difference in the path, we know the destination is the same. Our vision is inspiring the recognition of spirit in all. Something wonderful is always happening here at the Center for Spiritual Living. We're delighted that you've come, and if you're visiting us this morning or if you're new to the Center, stop in at that welcome table at the back after the service. And you can pick up a nice little information gift package. So now will you stand? Oh, no. Now will you remain seated? (laughs) As we sing, Hands of Grace.
There are a few announcements this morning about some exciting things that are happening here at the Centre. The Path of Discovery class is a wonderful introduction to our teaching, to our organization, and to the philosophy of the Centre for Spiritual Living. And so if you are relatively new to the Centre and would just like to find out a little more about the Centre itself and our history and what we're all about, and also connect with other new people, please sign up at the newcomer table after the service. The class starts on March the 9th, and it runs for three weeks. It's a complimentary class, and workshops will be available when you get to the class. So check that out this morning after. There's also a wonderful meditation class that will be starting on March the 11th. And if you'd like to have more details about that, check in your uh, program brochure today. There is a maximum, however, for that class. There's 16 students. So if you are keen to take that class, sign up for it uh, today. I'd also like to introduce Dr. Gantz Ferenc. He's at the back. Maybe, Gantz, you can just stand up and wave. He will, Dr. Ferenc will be giving us a wonderful workshop on communication and relationship mastery. It's on Saturday, March the 14th. It starts at 9.30 in the morning. So if you'd like more information on that as well, check in your bulletin. You can sign up today with Dr. Gantz at the back after service. And if you'd just like to have a chat with him and meet him and find out what the workshop is going to be all about, feel free to do that. He's here today to take your questions. Also, please save the date, March 15th. It's a couple of Sundays from now, and it's when our annual general meeting will be held after service at 1 o'clock. So it's after the second service. And everyone is welcome to attend. But if you're a member and, you'd like to, and you know you're going to be absent that Sunday, would you sign a proxy at the back after service? And now it is my great pleasure to introduce Robin, who will introduce <laughs> our guest soloist. Sometimes I like to do the intro. Uh, Today, you probably figured out Anna Beaumont as joining us. She sang with us, which was so great for the uh, congregationals. And she's also our soloist today. Now, Anna has a lot happening right now. She uh, has been writing songs based on the poetry of Rumi and Hafez and is coming out with a CD. She'll probably tell you when. Do you know when? (laughs) Late spring, we'll say. As CDs happen, they have a, a time schedule of their own and it's called Say I Am You and it's absolutely fabulous I've had a little preview and taste I've had the absolute honor and privilege of singing with Anna and uh, one day when I was in her studio she started to sing the song that she's going to sing now and I said please 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 sing this at the center it's so beautiful so you are in for an absolute treat please welcome Anna Beaumont Well, we all grew up on fairy tales. Little Red Riding Hood. Um, they're all gone out of my head right now. <laughs> um, this, is a, this is from a musical called Into the Woods. I don't know if anybody's seen that, but Into the Woods is this musical of all of the fairy tales that we grew up with, all in one. And there's the good witch Glenda who weaves through the story this song about children listening to everything that we say and that children may not obey. They may not do what it is that we want them to do, but they will sure listen. How do you say to your child in the night, nothing's all black, but then nothing's all white. 
How do you say we'll all be all right when you know that it might not be true? What do you do? Careful the things you say, children will listen. Careful the things you do, children will see. What a wise and profound message delivered in such a beautiful, gifted voice. Thank you, Anna. It's my pleasure to introduce this morning's practitioners, Reverend Catherine Cardinal, Audrey May Caldwell, Sandra Gibb, and Vita Crawford. These 
practitioners are available to you after the service, and they will be doing prayer work for you if you fill out that little card in your program. It's my pleasure now to introduce Reverend Catherine Cardinal, who will do this morning's reading. Good morning. Our reading this morning is from a book entitled Intimacy with Fear. I once attended a lecture about a man's spiritual experiences in India in the 1960s. He said he was determined to get rid of his negative emotions. He struggled against fear, anger, and lust. He struggled against laziness and pride, but he mostly wanted to get rid of his fear. His meditation teacher kept telling him to stop struggling, but he took that as just another way of explaining how to overcome his obstacles. Finally, the teacher sent him off to meditate in a tiny hut in the foothills. He shut the door and settled down to practice. And when it got dark, he lit three small candles. Around midnight, he heard a noise in the corner of the room, and in the darkness, he saw a very large snake. It looked to him like a king cobra. It was right in front of him, swaying. All night, he stayed totally alert, keeping his eyes on the snake. He was so afraid that he couldn't move. There was just the snake and himself and fear. Just before the dawn, the last candle went out, and he began to cry. He cried out, not in despair, but from tenderness. He felt the longing of all animals and people in the world. He knew their alienation and their struggle. All his meditation had been nothing but further separation and struggle. He accepted really accepted wholeheartedly that he was angry and jealous, that he resisted and struggled, and that he was afraid. He accepted that he was also precious beyond measure, wise and foolish, rich and poor, and totally unfathomable. He felt so much gratitude that in the total darkness he stood up, walked toward the snake, and bowed. Then he fell sound asleep on the floor. When he awoke, the snake was gone. He never knew if it was his imagination or if it had really been there, and it didn't seem to matter. As he put it at the end of the lecture, that much intimacy with fear caused his dramas to collapse, and the world around him finally got through. It's something for each of us to think about. So now, it's my honor to let you know and introduce our speaker today. He's our senior minister, our spiritual leader, and a man who is love in action. Back from his week away, please welcome Reverend Patrick Cameron. Good job. Thank you. Good morning. Welcome. It is such, I am just full of, I'm just full of uh, joy today and uh, expectancy. It is just so great to come together in community and celebrate <clears throat> who we are. It's just an honor. So with that said, um, I'd like to invite you to stand with me. If that is a good fit for you, this is optional. And we're going to sing a short song. The words will be up on the screen and we're going to say a prayer. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. 
And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power To walk through our every Spirit, one spirit is in this very room. In this very room. In this very room. So let us speak our word. Allow my words to be yours if they fit. And what I know in this moment, there's one life, there's one power, there's one infinite divine intelligence. It is seeking expression always by means of myself, by means of you. And so I know we come together today to hear those words, to be reminded of that and have the conversation that allows us to be a more perfect expression. God is the presence of, the presence of goodness and the action of love. So I just give thanks this day. I give thanks for our conversation, for our musicians, for our volunteers, for our, our children and our teens and, our, and every aspect of life represented here. I know that we are blessed beyond measure. We open ourselves to the unbounded possibilities of what this infinite divine presence is seeking expression as by means of us in our families, in our work in our interior being. And for this I give thanks, knowing that the right and perfect ideas, the right and perfect awareness, the right and perfect people, places and things and opportunities show up for us so that we may be love in action. God's emissaries on this planet, wherever it is needed, let us know that this prayer filters out into the universe, into this on this beautiful planet, and wherever love is needed, we are generous and so overflowing with that divine spark of life that it is our gift to all without saying a word. We love you. We're sorry whatever has happened has happened. And if we have in any way in consciousness supported that, forgive us. Thank you. It is our opportunity to love and to love deeply. For this I give thanks, knowing everything is in divine right order. And together we say, and so it is. <clears throat> so we're starting a new book. Actually, that reading is from our book of the month. I didn't give Catherine, and that's okay. She had the title, but it's from when, uh, when, things, when Everything Breaks Down. When Things Fall Apart. Yeah, when, when Things Fall Apart. That book, the one I've been reading, <laughs> the one I've been reading nonstop for the last week and a half. Yeah, that one. I can't remember the title. It's a wonderful book by Pima Chodron, and it is, uh, it, it's, it's, it's fascinating. You know, the beauty of what we teach is that, that we, get to, we get to gather things from um, life's wisdom, from many traditions, and apply it in our lives. You know, this, this, this idea of spirituality, whatever we call ourselves, it's only, it only has value if we apply it. And so I believe that we are, we are about that business of applying it. We're not so much tied to the idea of, of what identification we are as much as how we're living our lives. Are we loving each other? Are we caring for one another? Sue Hodge, I know that many of you um, love and, and um, appreciate Sue's music. Actually, Laura and I went to, to Lake Louise last week. We were gone, and I want to thank Carolyn Reynolds for, for being here and, and sharing her wisdom with you. She's an amazing author and, and teacher. And we listened to Sue's CD. I've listened to bits and portions of it, and I told Robin this week, I said, that CD is amazing. If you don't have that CD, it is incredible. The arrangement, where's Brown? Brown did a lot of the arrangement on that thing. It's just amazing. 
It's an amazing uh, CD. Well, with that said, I wanted to let you know, uh, Sue's mother, Jane, made her transition this week. She passed away, and Sue is in Ontario with her. So, you know, part of that, that, and so what we can do with that is to know that she has everything she needs, that her mother is greeted with loving hands into the birth of a new life, whatever that looks like. I think we have, you know, we have stories around that, but whatever it is, let us know that, that all that family is loved and held in the, in the grace of the infinite. Excuse me. 7,000 years ago in Sumerian, there was a king, Gilgamesh, and he was lonely. He was depressed. He was sad. And he was looking for meaning in his life. So Gilgamesh decided that he was going to come to life. He was going to come, come to life in a way he never had before. He was going to go to battle. And he declared a war. And he declared a war against Humbaba. And Humbaba is the deity that lives in the forest. He decided that his life was going to be about slaying the deity that lived in the forest. And so that became his, his mission on life. And as we look at the world, as we read the newspaper, as we look at what's in the, in the papers and all around us at many times, our, we see many times in the world that we, people declare war to feel alive. This whole book, that's When Things Fall Apart by Pima Children, is really about how we can... Today's lesson, by the way, is entitled The Radiant Life. See, I'm interested in the radiant life. I'm interested in living in the joy. I'm interested in living in the celebration, the creativity, to live in the genius, to live in the unbounded possibilities of life. I'm interested in all of that and more. And I know that's possible. When we were at, uh, we went to um, Lake Louise, and we got there, and I didn't know this, went with Laura, and and so we got there, we took our cross-country skis along, and it's the most beautiful setting I've ever seen in my life. It is just absolutely gorgeous. It is just, it's, it's transcendent to be there. What I didn't realize is that I was going to the biggest loser camp for three days. <clears throat> and so we brought our skis. We got up the first morning and we went down to the gym and we ran for an hour and then we went back up and we had some breakfast. And then we went skiing for a, a bit of time and then we had something to eat and we went back out and we skated. And then uh, I can't remember what we did in the evening. I think we just sort of collapsed and, and fell apart. So after about two and a half days of this, I said, are we ever going to take a nap? <laughs> I didn't know she had this plan. <clears throat> and it was a good plan. I was on, you know, I'm on board with it. Oh, the other thing we did, which, was, which added to all this, is we were on the fifth floor. And so we decided we would take the, the stairs up and down to everything we did. And you know you're at altitude there. So it was really interesting, because by the time you got to the fifth floor, you were, you know, you were a little dizzy. <clears throat> so we, we did this. <laughs> we did this. And about uh, two and a half days into it, we were just sitting there and we're looking out at the glacier. It's just beautiful. I mean, it is incredible. I looked out at the glacier. And, and I, I think part of it was the fatigue. It was just sort of that, you hit that, you hit that zone, you sort of, you, everything is broken down, your resistance is gone, you're just so happy that you're breathing and you're, you're standing still for just a bit of time before the coach says, we got to move, you know? <clears throat> Can we slow down? No, we got to go. Let's go, go, go. Okay. And there was just a moment of transcendence. There was about a 30-second period of time where it, there, was just, there was no sound. There was just, it was just pure light. I was staring up at the mountain, and I was looking at these beautiful trees. And the sunlight, we had beautiful weather. It was sunny every day, not too cold. And it was just a transcendent moment. And I, and I thought, you know, this is the talk that next week that I want to talk about, the radiant life. How do we move into the radiant life? And I don't think it's, I don't think it's uh, possible for us to live there 24-7. It's not why we're here. We're here to have the joys. We're here to have the sorrows. We're just here to be able to step back into that possibility. And if you haven't had that opportunity, 
As a small boy, I used to have these physical sensations, and I used to think I was raised in a, in, a, in a Catholic church. I used to think it was my guardian angel. And I realized, and that was my vocabulary at that point in time, but those moments of just brilliance where you felt sort of held and, and suspended and cared for. And I realize now that it could be. I don't know, I, but I do know that there's something other than myself. There's something other than me that is participating in this life. And when I open to that, when I live in that, in that state of, of radiance or availability, when I open myself to that experience... Life is, is totally different. Life is like nothing I expect. It, I can't even describe it at times. And so it was, it was wonderful. It was a wonderful experience. We came back from those three days, and I just felt rejuvenated. I thought I'd never gone on holiday before and had the, my personal trainer running me up and down steps every, uh, <laughs> every 20 minutes. But we both, we both felt that, and it was wonderful. It was a wonderful experience. It was, it was, it was just incredible. And so we have that possibility, or we can wage war. We can be unhappy, and we can be lonely, and we can be bitter, and we can be frustrated. Because you know what? I know your stories. I know your stories. And you have every reason, based on that evidence, to feel that way. And you can feel that way if you want to. But once you step onto the spiritual path, we're a community that really emphasizes spirituality. Once you step onto the spiritual path, then the work begins. And Pima's children talks in the first part of her book about fear. Because the reason we don't do these things, the reason, we don't, the reason that we don't <coughs> step into it and continue is fear shows up for us. We've had fearful experiences. She says the role of consciousness and compassion in our lives is to help us face our own experiences and demons. Our own experiences and demons. To face the undiscovered country in ourselves, largely so we won't hurt one another. So if we don't face the things that are going on in us, you know, but yeah, you've all experienced or read the stories about child abuse. And what happens with child abuse, and what happens with everything that is not in alignment with our best good is that it's a perpetuation of a legacy. What has happened, it's very interesting information. We have, we, we must do this work or we end up hurting one another. We end up perpetuating the legacy. We end up carrying it forward into the next generation. I learned that when I started having children. Now, my dad, my dad, wonderful man. I have, I've made peace with my dad long ago, but my dad came from that, that school that the, the way to discipline children was that you, you give them a whooping. They misbehaved, you, they got a whooping. So you spend your childhood running around trying not to get a whooping. You know, hmm, got through another day, and he didn't get me. Sometimes he had a bad day. My father had very poor interpersonal skills, to put it mildly. And some days he had a bad day, and some days he'd just come home and you'd start ducking right away because he wasn't happy. And it wasn't the ideal situation. But that was my legacy. And then when I had children, I said, oh, look at the skill set I have. You know, I know how to give people a whooping. And you should have heard my kids go, yippee, yeah, we're happy about that. And the reason I'm going to talk about it is because I really have made peace with all that. And I understand my dad, my mom and dad were doing the best they knew how. My dad always made sure that we were really tough. You've got to be tough. He'd come home and tell me he had a problem. My dad would take you in the basement and show you where to hit the guy the next time he gave you a hard time. That was his parenting skill. And my mother would just sort of, you know, every once in a while my dad's name was George. You'd hear, oh, George. Oh, George. I, as a matter of fact, I had uh, my sister and I, my sister was a year older than me. And she and I used to take the bus every day. 
And we used to take the bus a long way because we went to Catholic school, and it was a long way from our house, and so we took the city bus, and we got there. And every day, and of course it was Minnesota. And Minnesota, let me tell you, is even colder than Edmonton, if you can believe that. It's, it's just south of Winnipeg, and I got news for you, it's the same temperature. And so we would go down to the bus station every day, and there was always this guy that was, he was an eighth grader at the time, and I was in fifth, and my sister was in sixth. And my sister Terry, her name's Teresa, but we called her Terry, she was a wiry little thing, man. She was just wiry, and, and you know, she just right in your face all the time. You know, I have seven sisters. I'm going to tell you something. You have seven sisters. You have, you have eight mothers when you have seven sisters. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's advice all the time, everywhere. They never let up. That's why people ask me, people go, how do you deal with all these, these female ministers? I say, they have seven sisters, man. This is a piece of cake. It was preparation. The universe knew what I was doing. So one day I go in, we go down, and we used to wait in the hallway. It was South St. Paul, Minnesota, the largest stockyards in the world at the time, and there was a drover's bank there. Imagine that, drover's, stockyard, all that. And we used to wait in the lobby. And so this eighth grader, typically the pattern was I'd walk in, and he would immediately put me into a headlock. So I would spend the time waiting for the bus, walking around with this guy, hauling me, Every once in a while, he'd ram my head into something, and he'd laugh, and he'd walk over here. So, and if it was really cold, I wouldn't go in. I mean, if it was really warm, I wouldn't go in there. But sometimes it was so cold, you had to warm up. The choice was, okay, frostbite, or I get a headlock until the bus gets here. All right, I guess it's a headlock today. So we go in there, and one day my sister finally has enough. I'm in the headlock, and he's giving me the, the, the knuckle on the top of the head, and he's laughing, and carrying me around, and every once in a while a bank manager would come out and say, leave that kid alone. And so my sister, the little, little wiry Terry, one day she's had enough. And so I can't see much, because I'm looking at the floor on the side. But I see her, I see her take this Wonder Woman stance. Leave my brother alone! And I'm like, okay, good, I like that. And so she makes this declaration three or four times. And finally she decides, because my dad didn't just train the boys to defend themselves, okay? The girls knew where to hit people too. And so she comes up, and I'm in the headlock facing down, and she just starts punching away. And she's popping in her left and right. I mean, she's got it going. The only problem was, the only person she was hitting was me. (laughs) Right smack in the face. And I got to tell you, she could hit. She could hit. And so the guy holding me starts laughing so hard, he can't hang on anymore. So it worked. But I got up the next morning, and I got two black eyes. Both my lips are split and swirled up, so I'm talking like this. And I wander into school. And there's Sister Angelus, you know, Grade five, Patrick Cameron, what happened to you? I got beat up. (laughs) Who beat you up? My sister. (laughs) It was a a humbling experience. (laughs) And I had guys picking on me for several, while I healed, they reminded me daily. And the, 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 the blessing in it for me was I was able to say to them as they were picking on me, I said, you keep it up. I'm bringing my sister over here to take care of you. So I, 
let's just say, in that moment, who I thought I was, everything kind of fell apart, as Pima Chodron would say. And the other thing I learned is that sometimes, you know, I think most of the time when I was in that headlock, because it was not one time, it was, it was many times. It was our ritual. It was, you know, I think he was bored, and I was, I kept signing up for it, I guess. Was that my affirmation was, I wish somebody would help me. I wish, you know, someone would help me. And what I realized as a result of that experience was sometimes, uh, sometimes people can be too much help, if you know what I mean. Have you ever had that experience where you've asked for help and somebody's too much help? So it's all of those experiences help help shape our lives, shape our awarenesses. You know, I love my I I truly love my sisters. You know, they're 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 amazing women. And that that whole experience, I think back to that because it was quite funny. Once everything healed, it was it was quite comical in the stories that that came out of it. This whole idea of, of us doing this work, of us looking at our lives, because things fall apart. Nothing, the Buddhists say the number one, no, the first noble principle in Buddhism is that, that, that we suffer because we think, we think things are going to last. We suffer because we think things are going to last. And so when we get clear with that, that life, we're always in transition. And I'm not saying that this from a, from a negative point of view. We're always in transition. Who and what you were yesterday is not the same as who you and what you are today. And the beautiful thing about this is I think we're here to exp- express and be the full expression of God on this planet or the infinite or the divine or the Christ consciousness or the Buddha consciousness, whatever, whatever word moves you into that, that place of radiance. See, I understand the Christ consciousness now. As a kid, I thought Jesus was somebody that I prayed to and then I could access God. And you know what? If you believe that and do that, that, that is the, the reality of it. But I also know above and beyond that it is my opportunity, my privilege to live that Christ life experience. To, to be to the point where in consciousness where you show up, you're a gift, you're irresistible because you are, you've gotten out of the way and those things need to fall apart. Pima talks about it in the book. These things need to fall apart. But in order to do that, in order to move to the radiant life, we must move through the experiences in a way that clears things away. We must be willing to confront the fear. She talks about her teacher in this book. And she said one, one time her teacher was a small boy was going to a village with, with his, I can't remember, I think one of his, his teachers. And there was this dog that was chained to a, a post. And the dog was growling and frothing at the mouth and going, just <clears throat> wanted to get at him. And finally the chain broke. And her teacher looked and the dog was, was racing towards him. And instead of running, he ran directly at the dog. He just ran straight at the dog and confronted the dog. And the dog figured out that this isn't working. And was so confused by it that it actually stopped in its tracks and turned around and went the other way. But we must be willing to pull it, pull it close. If we want to get to the radiant life, then we have to look at all these things. We can't declare war on some mythical character. We can't declare war on life. Jihad. You know, jihad is a very popular Muslim word. And, and interpreted properly, jihad means to face one's own demons. To face one's own demons. If we're not willing to face our own demons, then we, we perpetuate the myth. The, abusive, the abused child becomes the abuser. The teacher. Have you ever had a teacher that paints this, this negative and, and small picture of the world? <sighs> the world's tough out there. It's sad. You know, and, and, and this is what's teaching and nurturing and mentoring our children? 
Because that's been their experience, they perpetuate that. The doctor that goes through medical school and is abused by his superiors and his students, and then years later is abusing his patients. Those things happen. They happen, they're happening right now. And the way through it, the way to it is through it. The way is to confront the fear and to look at it and to have the honest conversation and say, This hurts. This hurts. This was this was disappointing. But without doing that, we perpetuate the myth. We perpetuate, and things must fall apart. Even the good stuff falls apart. Even the things that you planned. Everything I've planned in my life, I don't think it's happened. It's happened to varying degrees. Small ways. But the big things, the big things that have shifted and changed changed me in my life, they were unexpected. They were just powerful. And and at times, very painful. You know, when 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 I first met Laura... And I was lost. I didn't know how to do relationship. I'd been, you know, I, was, I was married for a number of years and we both grew apart and wonderful person tra- kept trying to fix it and fix it. And finally I just said, I, I can't do this. And I, I, oh, I just, I cried a river. I was just so disappointed because you know what? I give you my word. I'm in. I'm in forever. And I was, I was violating that, that, that principle. And it was, it was tremendously humbling. And I'll never forget. I mean, you talk about d- demonstration. I walked in one day after Laura and I had been in conversation and dating for a few months. I walked in one day and she had her journal out and there was a whole page of her writing Laura Cameron down. And I thought, this woman knows what's, where we're going, I guess. <laughs> so if you walk in and you see your, your, your sweetheart writing the new last name down and it's yours, you know that you're probably heading in that direction. But it was very sweet because she was clear. She, she knew in that moment. I didn't know. I had to surrender. I said, I don't know how to do relationship. I don't know the vocabulary. I have been in nothing but conditional relationships my entire life. And, and, and my, my, my affirmation was, and hers, which we, we learned slowly as we developed a relationship, was to live in unconditional love. And unconditional love is a whole different category because it requires you have to put down everything. It just means I don't know, but I'm willing to show up and learn. I'm willing to, to grow this with you. I'm de- willing to be in this with you and develop this. That which is not integrated is repeated, is what this boils down to. That which is not integrated into our life is repeated. And if we don't integrate it, we spread our brokenness. So do you want to spread your brokenness? I don't. I don't. There's a beautiful uh, email that went out on the Internet from one of our ministers. One of our ministers emailed and said, you know, my husband told me he doesn't want to be married to me anymore. Everything is falling apart, and I just need your support and hold me in prayer. And one of our, one of our beautiful... Crohn's beautiful, wonderful elder ministers emailed back and we all got to witness the email on the, uh, the field web. And she said, you know, when you, when you step into ministry, and your life's are ministry, it's not just me. When you step into ministries, it is a commitment that you will continue to, be, to grow and deepen and change in the ways that are necessary for you to be a more complete expression of the infinite. I'm, I'm a work in progress just like you guys. I went to the, Max and I went to the hockey game last night. I went to the Oilers game. And we've been there, I've been to two in the last week. We have a few tickets each year. And, and uh, we've had the most colorful characters sit around us. So last night, Max and I sit down. And these two guys sit down. And they're dressed drinking beer like it's, like it's going out of style. They're not going to have any more in about 10 minutes. So let's, and so the <clears throat> first period's over and they go off and Second period starts, and Max and I are sitting there watching the game, and 15 minutes of the second period go by, and this guy comes back up with two beers and a large bucket of popcorn, and his buddy's got two beers and a large bucket of popcorn. Or actually, his buddy hadn't shown up yet. 
But anyway, he wanders in and he sits down and I said, hey, where you been? He says, well, the cops are giving us a hard time. I said, why? Because they said we had too much to drink. I said, imagine that. So anyway, he said, you want a beer? And I said, I probably should take a beer from you. So Max had a beer and I had a beer. Probably a good idea. See, service comes in many ways, okay? So, so, there's like, so they sit down five minutes in the period, and, and two minutes are left, and he's getting up, going to go. I said, where are you going now? He was a great guy, full of life. And he says, hey, I, 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 okay, and he sits back down. Probably a good idea. And he says, um, hey, he says, I'm, manager, I'm manager, general manager of a bar down in Mill Woods. And if you and your buddy there like come down, he says, I'll give you $200 each, and there's all kinds of chicks there you can pick up. Wow, fantastic. I said, I'll tell you what, let me call my wife. If she gives me the go, the go ahead up there, man. <laughs> she just asked me if I went. <laughs> Oh, that's perfect. Thank you. Yeah, for a few hours we went down there. <laughs> oh, no. I think Max wanted to go. And I said, hey, you, you go ahead. I said, call, call your brother. Go on down there. I got to go home, man. I got to get rested up. But, uh, you know, our, we just, and it, it's, it's great we can, we can laugh about these things because, you know, it is our humanity. I mean, the, the way that we, have, we can abuse ourselves, we can ride ourselves hard and put ourselves away wet, to use the, that horse vernacular, but, you know, we, we treat ourselves in, in such ways that just aren't in alignment with what I think helps support us in moving through the, the, the difficulties. You know, we, we numb ourselves out. We, we, we can become addicted to so many things, not just chemicals. We can become addicted to ways of thinking. And what Pima says in this chapter is that once you start to confront the fear, once you start to look at it and face it and realize, you know what, there's something, there's something for me to know here. We get scared because we think we're alone. What I have, my experience with this, when the powerful things have come into my life, and I finally get to the point of exhaustion, and this was my experience in the radiant moment at, at Lake Louise, is that there's, a, there's a, a, a life force that seems to just hold me. And I think it is a result of spiritual practice. It's a revol- result of, of humbling myself and getting out of the way and saying, there's a power for good in the universe. See, I'm not the healer. I'm just the, I'm just the doorway that the healing can come through in our lives. When we're seeking a shift or a change in our lives, we don't, you know, and people say, there was a guy on breakfast TV last week, and he's a healer from Ireland. And I thought, well, interesting concept. I understand what you're saying. But you're not the healer. There's a power for good in the universe that is the healing force. And we become the, what did Jesus say? It is not I, it is the Father within that doeth the work. He understood. He understood he was that clean, hollow vessel of divine expression. And there are people on the planet, Mother Teresa. There's a woman that her whole life was committed to service to others. And she said, you know, each time I take care of someone, I'm I'm nursing and I'm caring for the the, the Christ. That was a choice she made. I didn't know she was born in Kosovo. I I learned that in uh, Greg Mortensen's book, Three Cups of Tea. Love that man. I want to bring that guy to Edmonton. That guy's an inspiration. If you haven't read Three Cups of Tea, one of the best books I've ever read in my life. So what happens when we confront the fear? 
When it happens when we can confront the fear, it nails us right where we are. It nails us. See, we have to be nailed into the present moment because when we live in the fear, we deny ourselves the present moment. When we live in fear, we, desire, we, we deny ourselves present moment. And where can this infinite presence, where can we have that radiant experience but here and now? Eckhart Tolle wrote about it in The Good Earth. Dr. Ernest Holmes, our founder, wrote about it many times. The first thing we do is we recognize there's one life. We claim that life is our own life. Because it is our life. We're animated by it. We are not the totality of it. We are, we are a wave in the ocean of the infinite. We recognize it, and then we claim it as our own, and each time we claim it, we're shifted and changed. I've been doing these prayers for over 20 years of my life. Everything has changed. Everything. Every opinion I've had. Friends I've had. The great friends that resonate with that, the new friends that come, the ones that, that for whatever reason, the, the season, the reason, or a lifetime. People come for a season, a reason, or a lifetime. Great teachers, wonderful people. We're here to have this experience. We're here to have the full human experience. And so when we run from the, the, the situation, we deny ourselves the present moment. It's so important to, to, to realize that. It says, Pima says that if you're in fear right now, you're lucky. Something's happening. Something is shifting and changing. Life's, life can be scary. But once we understand this, it all needs to shift and change. There's an impermanence about it. It gives us a sense of grounding. You're far more than this physical body. You're far more than your job or your relationships. You are this life force. You look at fear right now. Look at the economic markets. Look at people that are worried about losing. Their portfolios are down this percentage or this or that. I've heard the conversations. Those are facts. Those are true. And those are, that's painful. But if we, we respond from that situation in fear... We perpetuate the legacy. We pass it on to our friends and then our brokenness becomes part of who and what we are. It becomes part of our conversation and it influences other conversations. And then we're perpetuating a fact that is not our highest and best. So how do we move out of that? How do we not do that? And it's about being clear. It's about being grounded in our own spiritual practice. Pima says we don't meditate to become good meditators. We don't meditate. We need meditation practice in our lives. And whether it's a walking meditation, maybe it's 30 seconds a day for you. Without med- we, we meditate so that we can be awake to our own lives. So that when stuff shows up, when disappointment happens, we can say, oh my God. And we can have the full experience of it. We can cry and we can mourn together when loved ones pass away. I was, I was telling the, the practitioners, we had a beautiful meeting. I, I tell you, we have amazing practitioners around here. Wonderful, amazing, beautiful practitioners. And my wife Laura said it in the meeting yesterday, she said, you know, I used to be the only place that Patrick could fall into in consciousness when things were going sideways here and now we have all this support and all this love i couldn't do what i do without those practitioners with that that love and that support and that's asking for help i need your help i don't know i don't know sometimes but i know that you want the highest and best and i want the highest and best so let's start having that conversation so it's a it's a powerful thing it's a powerful thing to be present and to allow ourselves to have the full experience of life. It is the only sane way to live, whatever is going on. When we pull it close, it doesn't mean it's going to stay forever. We pull it close so can we can extract the value in it. What's in this for me? What can I look at here so that I can be done with this experience so I can move forward in a new way? 
And then we grow the spiritual muscle and the clarity and the consciousness that allows us to be the thing that we, were, we came here to be, which is a more complete expression of the infinite. And so whether we're delivering papers or we're delivering babies, whether we're saving lives in, in hospitals or we're, we're, we're clipping coupons at home, if we're doing it from the consciousness of that radiance, that's what's important. And then the right and perfect things continue to show up. See, I don't have the luxury of getting scared. I feel so called to the mission that we have in this community in terms of consciousness, in terms of need, in terms of the ignorance and the bias and the prejudice that I see in the world. I, I don't think I have the luxury of being scared. I have to, I, when it shows up for me, I deal with it as fast as I can. I tell myself the truth as quickly as I can. And if that, and if that is not the complete orb of that truth and whatever else is there for me to know, I want to know it because I've got a job to do. I'm on fire about what we do. I think we have a powerful teaching. I think we teach practical spirituality. I know that we give people spiritual tools to transform their individual lives. And when you're living from that radiance, when you're living that individual life, you are a blessing to everyone, whether they know you or not. It is said that when Jesus, before Jesus would come into a town two days before, people would know he was coming because they could feel the energy. I believe that we, we can take this teaching into our lives and millions of people can perform miracles with ease. And those miracles are living from the radiance. It's not about the details. It's about living from the radiance. So I know that's for you. And I'm certain it's for me. So it is. And here comes that amazing Anna Beaumont. a song that I wrote a number of years ago. It's actually, I just wrote this poem and I left it for quite a few years and I found it again and then this music wanted to come and I think it's, it's what, uh, what Patrick uh, was just talking about. This is a time in my life, I guess, where things did fall apart. They had fallen apart. And when we turn around and see where we have been all that we've held on to will be blowing in the wind maybe this won't take much longer who knows maybe I will be stronger maybe we all just lost our important part the one that holds together when you fall apart don't walk away baby I'm hanging by a thread in a minefield with these words in this pit I think that we're close if you can see it like I do the sky's gonna make its way back to baby blue. We lost the war and someone stole our crowns. Now 
Never mind my love Just take a good look around Well, we'll think it was a foolish It's told But when we turn around and see where we have been, all that we've held on to will be blowing in the wind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And after all, my dear, we only had to try in spite of it all. that oh beautiful beautiful Anna. beautiful so this is our opportunity to share and I thank you so much for your continued financial support we're going to sing our abundance song as we as our ushers pass the, the basket so what I would like to invite you to know with me that let us bless this opportunity to give with the gratitude and the joy and the expectancy let us know and set the intention that as we give our gift, given in joy and the expectancy of that greater good, returns to us pressed down and overflowing tenfold or more in every area of our life, financially, in health, in friendship, in career, wherever we are. Let us know that we step into this flow of life like never before. Let us know that these gifts go to support this community and, these, and the ministries here, our youth, our outreach ministries, to support not only what we do here. And I want to thank you so much that our, our iPod I'm getting letters from all over North America from people that listen to this talk every Sunday now. So I just give thanks for that. Let us know that we continue to expand our, our reach into the world, that we are the presence of good and the action of love on this planet right here and right now. For that I give thanks, and together we say, and so it is.
abundance today by giving this gift i show my faith as i open my heart my world becomes a better place i release all fear as i share gratefully this love that i give always gives back to me knowing my oneness with everything else Celebrate my abundance today By giving this gift I show my faith As I open my heart My world becomes a better place I release all fear as I share gratefully This love that I give Always gives back to me Knowing my oneness With everything else I know that all that I give I give to myself <clears throat> I'd like to invite our practitioners And ministerial team forward to join me on the platform. So let us take the, the energy of this moment collectively that we represent here. The love, the forgiveness, the acceptance, the joy, the expectancy of great good coming into our lives. For if we move in that direction, the universe provides the avenues for that to arrive into our experience. And so I just give thanks this day. I give thanks to be held in the arms of the beloved, the Father, Mother, God, this infinite presence, this infinite energy that knows no bounds, everywhere present and nowhere in particular. Let us know that it is but in the twinkling of an eye that we turn our attention and remind ourselves of this, that we are supported in ways we cannot imagine. Let us move through our lives with the clarity, focus, ease, and grace that allows each and every one of us to be that divine emissary wherever we are. I know this is true. I know it is possible for you. And I make the commitment and the vow in this moment to live from that to the best of my ability. And I know you do as well. For this I give thanks. We release these words knowing we carry this idea and this consciousness forward from this point in a new way. And together we say, and so it is. Let's sing. Please stand and join us in one spirit.